This is a HeadGum Podcast. All right, so you're the third. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you embrace um, it the same way? Or are you like, like you say yes, all things? Almost, third? almost in the exact same way. <laughs> which is you really saw crazy. Pa- you saw a paint. You saw <laughs> your cousin. Drawing. No, no, but so I, I, uh, the way that I got into the into uh, art was through visual art. Like the way that I got into doing comedy was through visual art, and um, and I used to sign my things without. Uh, my other initials, it would just be the third, and I thought that that was yeah. cool. Yeah, that's how I and, started. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then, and then, and I go by James the third, uh, so I don't use my last name at all. Um, oh, damn. Uh, and I used, okay. yeah, and I used to just do that as, like, a nickname, and then, and then over time, I just actually dropped my last name. So oh, it's like, kind of, kind uh, of but you mean, like, mentally, you drop your last name, or, like, you're, you're like, when you sign bills and all that stuff do you have no last name yeah so okay so mentally i dropped my last name gotcha. um uh, but then i didn't go through the like i couldn't go to i didn't want to like go to city hall or whatever it is that you have to do and like legally <laughs> do that because right. it, it people think it's crazy already that i don't go go by my last name like to legally do it i, I don't know what kind of trouble i would actually get into that's interesting so I james, bet you could man and it's not james three it's james the third james the third Right, the third. And is that your? Do you do stand up? Uh, yeah. All right. So do you go by? Is that your your stage name too? Is James the third? Yeah, and so that's how people introduce that's dope. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and his website is James Third Comedy. James Third Comedy. And then he always spells it on here. Three R D. Yeah, I have to spell it out. It's confusing. It's really confusing. It's like okay, third. Is it well, T H I R D? This was a fun thing that we were. You know what I mean? Charles is it just I had a James fun thing that Roman was numeral and three. Now you've ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> you've we had a fun thing. T- yeah. <laughs> and now you've dissected. Is it James T H E three R D? Okay, see, nope, nope. No, Don't do this to me right earth, now. <laughs> third word. Yes. So many of our fans were like, "I don't just James. I'm trying to get to your website. I don't. I don't understand. No, this is." And maybe it's because Gerard and I kept confusing people, but it also was, it was confusing to us. This will be today's <laughs> podcast. Is these gentlemen deconstructing their their names? Uh, cool. Are you are you all set on your end, James? Yes, I am ready. All right. So you're gonna be like music and stuff that starts it, and it's like, welcome to the there show. There will be, so, so, but so we won't. Go. We won't hear it. <laughs> Do I want to sing the the theme song? Yeah. No. <laughs> is it like something? I know like, that's like, true. James would do it. Is it like the Jeffersons or something? Like they got a really cool jingle that kind of goes with it. It's like a mixture. <laughs> like it's like a DJ. I, I believe their backing music is mystical. Oh yeah, it's like dun 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 dun. I can't. Nice. <laughs> and then it's like it's like audio of us saying, uh, "Blackman can't jump." In Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> black actors, y'all. Black actors. That's how the end is. I like the end. Oh, I like it. I'm yeah. excited to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what it Jonathan Raylock. James the Third. Drop What more can I say? You know what it is? Black men can jump. In Hollywood. Black actors.
Welcome to Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood. Hollywood City. Uncle Drew. That was like a mashup. I did like a, a mashup. A mashup? It started as drums from Drumline, and then it turned into... Oh. <laughs> nice. Started as drums from Drumline. Did you do better... I forgot. We we did review Drumline. Uh, we should probably introduce our guests first before we start talking about <laughs> You're Drumline. Right. Mystery. You're right. <laughs> On the other side of the table. Uh, so this is Jonathan Braylock. Gerard hey, Milligan. My name is James okay. the Third. James is James. Can you say your? Can you just? We have a guest, so can you what? enunciate your name? That's how I said it. I said it. Oh, yeah, James the Third. How y'all doing? When he, when he introduces his name, he likes to go low. He you likes got to go to. low. All right. Uh, Jirai is in here. He's, he's being all fancy. He's in L.A. I mean, he's in Atlanta. What's he doing in Atlanta, James? Um, I don't know. I mean, he got <laughs> Jirai always be showing up in different cities all over the place. Um, <laughs> he really does. I swear, that man's a spy of some sort. <laughs> 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 he's working for the CIA. I think he's, uh, he's producing... Uh, some stuff with is it with Wild and Out? See, yes, I think that I think like Wild and Out Live or something is there, or like this season is in Atlanta or something, right? And they, because they have a lot of comedians d- down there that are that are on the show this year, which is kind of a shame. Uh, or maybe, uh, or maybe every year it's like that, and so now he's just they're they're just there for this. <laughs> Wild and Out is uh, isn't it like a it's um, a stand up thing where they have multiple comedians? It's like it's like. I, I think of it like it's like the black version of uh, of Whose Line Is It Anyway? Whose Line Is It do, Anyway? <laughs> they do like improv it's, games. They do like fun improv games, but Nick Cannon hosts, and it's like right. So that's Nick's show. Then, that is that used yeah. to be on MTV. Mm-hmm. I was all right. It's I wasn't still sure. it's still right. there. That's fantastic. He's still doing it. Yeah, he's he kills me. He's like a mover and a shaker, like as a producer. Yeah. He He's is. always doing stuff because we were always like, why didn't you do any more stuff like, you know, drumline and blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, yo, he's keeping it moving on doing different projects. I remember when Wild and Out first started, I thought, oh, it's a good idea, you know. And right. I don't even know it's still going. That's dope. Yeah. That's cool. It's a, it's, it, I mean, Jarrah's been working on that f- show for a while. So that's why it's, it's kind of sad that he's not here because, of course, you directed Drumline. Uh, <laughs> and, and people might also know other films, Paid in Full. Mm-hmm. Uh, the recently uh, stepsisters, I believe, is yeah, on Netflix. Uh, Netflix. Yes. And then, of course, the uh, film that is coming out, or actually has just come out uh, this weekend, Uncle Drew. Yes, Uncle Drew. it actually comes out next weekend or this weekend. That always that that term always confuses me. This and next, but yes, this weekend coming up this, this Friday. This Friday. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Uh, and of course, here in the studio, we have Charles Stone the Third. The Third. Yeah. That's right, James. James, another third is here. Should I go I mean, low? This is just great. <laughs> <laughs> this is just great. There's the population of thirds has yes. grown on the show. The tri- <laughs> I the really appreciate having a kindred spirit here. Yes, kinfolk. Yeah, I do feel left out for sure. Uh, <laughs> Are you the second or the first? I'm the first. Oh, see, that's that's, Not, that's kind of a power wait, move right there. I, it's just, true. Can I can I be real? My fi- first name is Jonathan, which is one of the most common names. Especially in the Western Hemisphere, with this mm-hmm. country, Jonathan is a super common name. 
but my last name Braylock is so uncommon that I'm That's actually straight up science fiction. The brother. only Jonathan Braylock on this earth that I know of. That's dope. Yeah. Well, egotistically, that's really hot. That's yeah. like you walk around like chest up high because you're like, yo, I'm the only Bra- That's right. Is it Blaylock? Or it's, Bray- so it's Braylock because there's a lot of Blaylocks, and that's the that's thing. That's the thing. Okay, right. There's a lot of Blaylocks, right. but no Braylocks. Now, Which is weird because it feels like it's a, it's a, it sounds more common, but it's not. But the Braylock, is that <laughs> like a um, – it's not a um, – what is it called? The the you know quote unquote black slang. There was like a, a like a Webster's ter- terminology for it. Th- that's not an ebonified thing. Like you know how like we hear people spell ways right. like W A Y Z. Right, right. Is it like Braylock as opposed to Blaylock? Right. Or? I honestly I have I have no clue. We have <laughs> my dad has no idea. He he his his family has no idea. But I always like to think that it was Blaylock, and then it just like yeah. somebody like. For whatever reason, like just couldn't pronounce it, yeah, or like they said, Br- they said Blaylock, and somebody was like, "Okay, Braylock," and they just wrote it down. They're like, "That's your name now." Well, my grandpa was like, "Yo, <laughs> nix this. I'm going by Braylock. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to break did, out. I, I'm just trying to get uh, original up in here." And I think that uh, I, it's funny because it's like it seems like a, such a simple name. It's just Ray with a B in front of it, and then Lock, just spelled the way that Lock is. But that's also like to me, like Banner, like it's it's kind of got a, a comic book connotation to right. it, like you know, Braylock. Yeah. Isn't there isn't there a sci-fi isn't there a character in in the original Star Trek series series named Blaylock or something Lock like Blaylock? It just sounds like a sci-fi thing. I'm trying it, to it does figure <laughs> that out. There was a uh, I mean, there are actually a couple athletes with Blaylock, but there really? was a big one, Mookie Blaylock, oh used to play for gosh. Atlanta Hawks. And at, yeah, name. people would always call me Mookie growing up just because they, Blaylock was a, they were like, oh, Mookie Blaylock. Oh, your name is Blaylock. <laughs> You're Mookie. Wow. And then I learned that my cousin also was called Mookie. He grew up in Cleveland. And so we were both called Mookie. And then, but then when we came together, we were like, now, now we have to have our original names. And we were sad because Mookie is such, such a cool name. <laughs> That is. Mookie's pretty cool. It's kind of worn out. Pookie, Mookie, Snooky, <laughs> Snooky. Uh, so for those of you who are listening for the first time, we actually, this is not a podcast about names. Yeah. Uh, I know you thought it was. We, uh, we talk about movies, and specifically, we talk about movies with black leads uh, in the context of race and diversity in Hollywood. And Charles, I don't know if you know, but like race and diversity is hot right now. Yeah, it is hot. <laughs> it's, it's like the... Uh, when the word urban replaced <laughs> Negro, it's... Uh, yeah, you know, it's diversity. Diversity is the new... All the right. New it's, it's like going from natural to organic. Like that's, that's right. That's coin word in, in food <laughs> marketing, so... All yes. right, we just make sure that it's gluten-free and that's diverse. Right. Diverse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I don't know if you've... I don't know if you've ever been referred to as a diverse director. I know we've been <laughs> referred to... As no, it's fun, it's I funny, haven't like, heard that yet. Yeah, like well, people will say they'll be like, "Oh yeah, this yeah we have a we have a diverse cast," uh, and okay, it's like an yeah. all black cast. And I'm like, "Well, you got div- I I understand what you mean, but that's a black it's cast. Diverse, you just you're I'm trying to, to say black at. without saying <laughs> black. It looks different than what I'm used to staring at in the mirror. So yeah, it's diverse. Yeah, we real talk. There is. Uh, there was a pilot that I auditioned for that said, like, it was about a white family moving into, and then they wrote this, a diverse neighborhood. And I was like, 
<laughs> just mean black neighborhood. And that, that's the yeah, that's the that's the kind of like I want to say tragedy of it all is like because you would if you just take that literally like oh, okay so literally it's like a melting pot in the neighborhood right. and it's like no no it's just black folk yeah right and up, you know like okay yeah I guess we're diverse <laughs> or of in the color. grand in the in or of color right in the in the grand scheme of of things yes uh, but yeah I mean I mean just as a director how is that. How has that shaped kind of your experience in this kind of this trend that's happening? And, I, and I, it feels because it, we talk about this on the show a lot. It feels positive, but then there are some trap falls. I feel like, and and I, when we were wondering like how how is that you know affecting you today? Um, you know, I I, I guess the thing I I've. Uh, see, I've been a professional storyteller, I guess, since... Well, I directed music videos in the 90s, but then I started doing narratives in 2000, right? Paid in Full was my first, and I kind of moved on from there. Um, but I I find that the there's a... In terms of diversity, in terms of, of color, uh, that whole... The, the movement to... The movement to see us, the of color tribe, um, in ways that are varied and wide. Like, that's the big thing. Back right. in the 60s, it was the famous photograph of, of black men holding the their posters, I am a man. Right. Now, to me, if I was to remix that poster, it would say, I am banal. Because hmm. to me, the, the, the struggle is, or the, the journey now includes, like, how can we be perceived as being ordinary yep. and boring? <laughs> yep. And I say that with We talk love. about that all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> the, the banal yeah. uh, within our existence. And for me, uh, I, I, I am a, a kid who grew up, you know, Star Wars, the original, very the right. first one, 76, really kind of flipped my lid, you mm. know, in many ways. Um, I was really into the Ray Harryhausen um, Sinbad movies with the stop-motion animation and, and Jason right, right. and the Argonauts and all of that. Um, but Star Wars really kind of jumped off for me, and, and, yeah. and I just really kind of uh, knew I wanted to tell stories in this, I guess you could say, epic kind of yeah, way. Grand. Or now the term they use for that is Event movies. <laughs> so, oh wow! You know, uh, <laughs> though that yeah. though it wasn't perceived as an event movie at the time, no. people actually thought it was going to be just like this B sci-fi film. They didn't realize how big it was going to be. I feel. Like. I well, I think that's a marketing thing. I think yeah. I, I think that the person you're talking about are the um, are jaded executives right, the, of exactly. like okay, yeah. you know, and they didn't because George Lucas was like, okay, I'll do this for nothing. I just want the merchandise, right? Right. No one had ever done that before, and like, like ching, like <laughs> exactly. So that's exactly those <laughs> folks who are like, fine, loser. They're the ones who are like, ah, eh, this is you know, kind of sci-fi thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess you know, the the event movie's been around for a minute. Cecil B. DeMille right. was pumping them out, or it's a lot of other directors. I'm even think about the Busby Berkeley. I mean, shucks. Right. But but maybe you're right because it, it's. I think that Buster Keaton. And Charlie Chaplin, I, I think I don't, I don't think they looked at their movies as event movies. Right. And now to kind of, if I can go off on a little, a little tangent, yeah. is when you see 
like architecture from way back, like European architecture or or like the ornamental decorum you see on say churches, that like mm. insane sculpting and stuff. Like you don't see that now. Right. Like and and then if you want that, it costs a boatload of money and it's almost unheard of. But back in the day, that's just that's the, it, it was just that way. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it wasn't like think about like Michelangelo, like the sculpting that he did. I look at it now and I'm like blown away. I mean, but back then dude was like, I'm just I'm I'm doing it, I'm getting paid. Yeah, right. you know what I mean? Like this I need I need to, yeah, this is my job. <laughs> and I'm like, what? That's that's genius. But like back then it didn't because that's that's what the thing was. So okay, geez Louise, come all the way back to, to what we were talking about, uh to to to, to films. So I think for um, for us, for people of color, um, it's it's trying to get that. It's so ironic, like again, yeah. the banal trying to show right. us in an ordinary way. Because we're like moving away from that. And we talked about we reviewed um, in the heat of the night, you know, Sidney mm. Poitier film, mm-hmm. and Keegan Michael Key was here, and we were we in our discussion, we were talking about how like a lot of those films in in that era, the the black man had to be like, like we call him the exceptional Negro. Like yes. he had to be better That's than right. everybody else. He had to be smarter, yeah. stronger. And then also, like, especially in the case of Sidney Portier, like more forgiving. You know what I mean? Like mm. he would get he would have these wrongs and he would stand up for himself. But at the end of the day, like he he's like teaching the white people kind of a lesson, like yes. in the defiant ones. Like you know what I mean? Like he mm-hmm. he 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 almost sacrifices himself, you know, mm-hmm. for that for that white character. And mm-hmm. it, and it's just like though and 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 you have this person that so white artists to come in and be like, oh my God, he's just so he's so great. Like yeah, he speaks so well. You know, we he's <laughs> deserving unquote. of our respect, you yes. know, as opposed to somebody who just is, you know, we talk about like, you know, they're just like a, a truck driver or like yes. or just a regular person who's like going about their day and they have the same struggles as everybody else. Yes. They're not perfect. They're not, yeah. you know, like the elite. But, but yeah. Sidney Poitier's character, would you, I wouldn't, would you consider him a magic Negro? Not a magic Negro. No, right. Uh, He's uh, not, right? Uh, just, um, just somebody who is exceptional in terms of like, uh, they're, they're better than every, everybody else around them. Yes. Uh, yes. As opposed to like, yeah, the, like, yeah. Go ahead, James. Like he's like almost a superhero, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not so much that he's magic, but that like it's like he can do no, he can do no wrong. He's like a perfect person. It's so interesting because I keep on wanting to say magical, but it's not because I know the magic right. Negroes are different. That's a that's whole a, other. Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole other. That's like the Harry Potterish uh, <laughs> thing, but yeah. but it, it, it's. But you, it, I guess you know what I'm thinking of is like you have to, especially back then, you had to be exceptional, right? The 110 percent, right. or or almost magical, right? Like meaning that because you're transcending what the norm right. is or the quote unquote norm that was you know created by the industry right. and by the culture, but but it is it's different. It's a, it's a different right. thing, but it's still it, I guess and it's it, in it that quarter sense. category though of yeah, of, of like having it, to be above and if, beyond. It feels like it makes sense for that time, especially given the it's like we you know African Americans were like trying to break free from all of these stereotypes that were that were depicted in you know movies up until that time. So when they yeah. were leading their own movies, they wanted to be like, no, we're the best, we're the coolest, we get yeah. to be the hero. Yeah. Uh, and which is which is great, and I think those films are still great to have those. But like you were saying, we still want to be banal as well. We want the ordinary, yeah. you know. 
and that's why I I I had an issue growing up with Black Panther, Luke Cage, Power Man, mm. Black Lightning. Yeah, it's like th- there is to me the remnants of what we're just talking about right. uh, of being 110 percent or exceptions to the rule in terms of these characters. These monikers or these names like Black Panther. It's like you, you, it's, it's to me, it's, it's almost like they're saying we have to remind the masses, the masses being quote unquote white, mm-hmm. uh, that it's still a black thing. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. we talk about that banality that we, that we, that we aspire for yeah. today. It's like we, you know, we actually aspire for invisibility. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, back in the day, mm-hmm. it's like the invisible man, right? I'm not invisible. Right. Now it's like I want to be invisible and celebrated for being invisible, but right. not in the oppressive way, right. but just like meaning I, I, I want to, to be exceptional, but yet be part of the tapestry that is right. ordinary. And so Black Panther, it. It was again that name. I was like, ah, it's it's right. again. He, and I and got, it came you know, from that. Mar- it came from the Marvel comic that that was made in that time, right? And, no, exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. and the guys. You know, um, I forgot the the brother's name, the writer, but Ryan Coogler and mm-hmm. his writing partner. You know, they. I thought they did an exceptional job of of tr- stepping out of that, right? You know, because that was always same thing with Luke Cage. It was something that I was was never really interested in. And I know Cheo, and he did a kick-ass job. Yeah. I also love that because I felt like that was a love letter to New York to Harlem. in the 90s, yeah. yeah, which was a real beautiful thing. Um, but again, like, the hero for hire just, like, bugged <laughs> me to no end. Right. Like, it's like dudes saying, yo, I got to get paid. Right. That's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the superhero, we got a, finally we got a superhero, and he's like, Put the brakes on, y'all. I'm not gonna show any superpowers unless you fucking pay me. Right. Like, I gotta right. pay. Can we curse? I didn't know if that was. Oh a- yeah, we can. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> this is. Please, please do. <laughs> please do. <laughs> All right. I'm doing a little bit of self editing. This is as they as they say on iTunes, explicit. Explicit. There right? you go. Isn't that, isn't that the? That's the word. They, yeah, they, we're they explicit. E. We're an explicit. We're podcast. an explicit podcast. <laughs> uh, 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 an explicit diversified. <laughs> Diverse podcast. Urban podcast. <laughs> uh. uh so actually, this is a great. I think this is a, a great segue to talk uh, to talk a little bit about Drumline because I yeah. I personally feel uh, and and it was your second film that you directed. It is. It uh, is. Um, but it has for me. I mean, it's a film that we we all love, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a film that has kind of the elements that we're talking about. A person who mm-hmm. is just an average, you know, he's an yeah. average kid. He has yeah. a passion. Uh, his passion is drums. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's it's uh, what do you what was that movie? We because we compared it a lot to um, Stomp the Yard. Whiplash? No, no, Whiplash because Whiplash oh, came word. after, and oh, I mean yeah, Whiplash yeah. got. I mean, and Whiplash is great. Like we saw, no, I right. saw Whiplash. It's a fun. Yeah. It's a good film. Yeah. Miles Teller did a great job, and J.K. Uh, uh, Simmons. Uh, he, they were all great, but it was just so interesting to see a film like that get this prestige where. So many years before, we had Drumline that was mm-hmm. dealing with a very similar subject. Of course, it was. Mm-hmm. You know, in a school that had mostly yeah. black, yeah, uh, yeah predominantly, you know, people, black. Uh, predominantly black uh, college, and mm-hmm. uh, so we has that culture, those cultural elements. Mm-hmm. But the the story and the heart of the character feel very much in line with this is an ordinary person that anybody can relate to. Yeah, um, that was definitely the agenda. Uh, I think you know what's interesting that yeah. that was 
<clears throat> that wasn't the written agenda. I think for me, that that's what, in many ways, my my spirit. Right. That was that was its agenda or goal. Without even saying, okay, I got this all planned out. But um, meaning for it to be uh, a universal movie. Right. And I will. I'll, I'll sort of tote that that bag of of uh, of that of saying that. The success for me of that movie was that it transcended its blackness. I think so too. And that's yeah. a tricky one because blackness is a wonderful word, but at the same time, it does what it does, which is to segregate or to say that I am other than, right? Besides just being a citizen. Um, but yeah, so it transcended that. It's a popcorn movie, right? I think because it's a popcorn movie and its right. structure takes it out of the the prestige, right, the prestige element, element right away. But I also I think no one was ready for that film. Right. And that's not like a sophistication thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah. like nobody was ready for ready for a film that had an essentially an all black cast, mm-hmm. takes pla- takes place at a historically black college. Mm-hmm. And it involves marching bands. Like that's just on the universal tip. Was right. like a movie about marching bands, like ballet marching bands. But you know, no one knew the the, the aesthetic, the version that historically black colleges created. You mm-hmm. know, the show style, the classical style. There's a lot of different names for it. Um, but yes, I was infusing for me the little kid in me as a filmmaker. My love of science fiction, my love of uh, of all that stuff, like the, the the end drum battle. I literally, when we were working that out, and I was working with the the performers, uh, you know, the idea that you have two drum teams uh, that come together and face off. Yeah. The, the the space in the middle where you're facing off. Mm-hmm. That's the. This is what I. Re- this is how I referred to it. I was telling myself, like, right, this is the neutral zone. Right. So you can come in a neutral zone. That's all good, right? Klingons aren't going. F- right. You know, fuck with you. It's good. But if you enter their territory, that's a declaration of war. Yeah. So if Devin's going to break that and go into their territory, then a fight's going to break out. Right. Now, egotistically, that's where he goes. Right. And he, he actually, you know, well, first of all, dude plays his drum. Right. And then from there, he, you know, he punches the guy in the face. But. That those were the terms I was using, or during the what they call the fifth quarter battle, where during a football game you have one marching band on the one side of the stands, and then the other marching band, and they literally lob songs back and forth. So I again explained that the football field is the ocean, Mm. and we have two battleships of opposing forces. And that's why Dr. Lee, Orlando Jones, has binoculars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like that captain oh, on the wow, ship who's yeah. looking, and he goes, oh, and he leans over and goes, fire fire one across the port bow. Right. And then you hear someone go, fire one across the port bow, blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly the, the, the cannons raise, meaning the marching band stands up right. and then blasts or fires a song across. Mm. And then, then, then they respond in, right. in kind. But that's literally where I was going right. with this thing. And the same thing with the end battle, the marching, the, rather the, the percussion, they change shape. So I was saying like constantly, like it's like Transformers. So they'll, they'll, the idea that you can change your, your actual architecture in order to best the other team that that's that's what I'm bringing, right. you know. The the woman who's flipping the the symbols around. It's like total martial arts. It's right. like wushu, you know, martial arts. So <laughs> again, that, that's it. what I bring, which I think ultimately uh, gives you 
what it was, right. what it is, and how it transcended. People went to see it because they enjoyed seeing a selfish kid learn to become a team player. Right, right. And um, and I pat myself on the back just because, yeah, it's a total coup. Because, it, again, it's all black cast, right. a black college. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a, quote, unquote, a black movie, but right. yet... It wasn't. Right, it wasn't. So, it definitely transcended that yeah. in in so many ways. Um, I mean, we we have to talk about Nick Cannon because Gerard works with him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pays, Gerard, pays, pays Gerard's bills. <laughs> uh, but um, I mean, I mean, a phenomenal performance in that film, and that was his mm. debut film, I believe. Is that is that right? Is that his first, like, I major... I think it's his, his debut feature, yes. Because uh, uh, he'd obviously been doing TV, and, stuff, and he yes. was a huge Nick star. We yes. we know that. We were kind of uh, in that range of growing up like, with him as, as, a, as a Nick star, and uh, uh, but, I mean, I, I, I mean, we talked about this on the podcast already, but it was such a great performance, but we were kind of interested in, um, in hearing you talk about, like, working with Nick at that time because it was his like first big film, which I imagine was a a big deal to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a, in a way, he kind of had something to prove, like his character had yes. had something to prove. Well, I, I'm actually I'm really glad you brought that up because based on what we were just discussing, it fits perfectly in that <clears throat> that 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 thought pattern, which is that Nick had the he had a <clears throat> he had a combination of things. He had this boyish mm-hmm. enthusiasm. Right. And he's a funny guy, yeah. but he had this boyishness thing. And then coupled with that is he had a little bit of an edge. Right. Which would be construed as, you know, he's you know, he, he had the like the sort of the ghetto thing or whatever. That's not how I would say it, but I'm saying people right. That's how would people look at like, it. yeah, he had the urban right. the urban presentation right. or the urban facade and or as I remember when we were you know, looking at him and he was up for the, the role, I think some of the executives said, you know, and he's got a little bit of an edge to him, which is nice, you know. And, and I agree. I mean, as corny as that sounds, but, um, or typecasting, but he had that, but he had a boyish aspect. Right. And to me, that's similar to what we're discussing, which is that despite this movie taking place in a quote-unquote all-black environment with all-black cast, it has a universal uh, spine to right. it. So the boyishness of, of Nick when I met him and his enthusiasm was something that connected to me because I that's something also I look for in characters, and especially male characters, is the little kid in us, you mm-hmm. know, the boyishness. Uh, and again, it's universal of women as well, but I, I, most of my, the movies I've done uh, tend to have uh, male protagonists, except for, say, Stepsisters and Lila and Eve with Viola Davis. Um, but yeah, so that made him, I think, even more accessible to the mainstream. Right. Because that's what came, that's, that's, that came first, right. not his blackness. Right. And it was really apparent and and um, he so wanted the role. I remember he came to the hotel, and for like a final meeting, and he he just was like you know whatever I gotta do is you know it's dope. I really want to do this, and he was just so excited, and <laughs> and he just brought that energy, right. and you know he he got the role, and yeah, it just, and it just it ended up working. And you know the, again, he's a beginning actor, so right. there were certain things he had to 
certain muscles he had to, you know, really exercise mm-hmm. and, and, and figure out. But totally. again, he was so open for it. Right. And so it didn't become a problem. He wasn't a diva or anything. So right. I, didn't, I didn't have to worry about having <laughs> to work through that stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, it was great. And opposite was awesome. Zoe, too. And that was early in Zoe's career. Oh, my career God, that's too. right. Zoe Saldana. Zoe Saldana. Yes. yes. You know? Yeah, super early in her career. I mean, she, and she became just this megastar. Yeah. Who, She's got who, an who, for for whatever reason journey. continues to be made it into a, an alien of a different color, but like that's still cool too. Though I mean, <laughs> there's uh, that's what I'm saying. It's a that's a that's a that's an interesting. You know, we could obviously get into that. Yeah, philosophize on Zoe. <laughs> I mean, <the> movie honestly. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, wait, James. Did you have any other questions about Drumline that you wanted to ask? Yeah, I mean, a, a couple things are coming up for me now, mm-hmm. actually. Um, one of them is, like, it's interesting that uh, uh, when talking about Nick Cannon, you talk about his, his, like, sort of his boyishness or, like, his sort of his sort of childlike uh, quality that he brought to it. Mm-hmm. And something that we talk about on the, on the podcast a lot is that, like, there are not a lot of black um, coming-of-age movies. Like, That's they're just, right. like... Like we see, we see so many white coming of age stories, but like, and then, and I don't even, I can't recall if we talked about Drumline as if it were a coming of age uh, a movie when we reviewed it. But that's what's coming back to me now is like that's exactly what it is. Like he, you know, he starts one way, and his journey is sort of like is very much like one of growing up. Yeah, into adult. Um, yeah. yeah. It, can you it's just talk simple. a bit about like uh, like your thoughts on that on like uh, if that is something that you have noticed um, uh, and uh, like how you think we can sort of change the 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 scope of of Hollywood like we can have more movies like this. Um, well, it is happening. Um for sure, uh, as much as we joke about the word diversity, and there's always going to be, they're, they're never going to get the right word. I mean, it's, you know, but it, it's, there's, there is success within the, the, the market or the, the stage of, right. of, of television uh, storytelling and feature film storytelling. I mean, I think more in television because there are so many platforms and everyone's been now empowered, if not emboldened, with the confidence that they can put out the content they want right. to put out. I and mean, that people you, want yeah. to listen. Like, and that people, their story yeah, that there's matters. a real opportunity for yeah. it. Like, obviously, Atlanta, uh, Insecure, um, um, what is the, uh, the, um, the Lena Waithe movie that made made into a series? Um, uh, uh, Jesus Christ, what's it called? I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's on, um, is it on HBO? On no, Stars. Insecure is on HBO. Um, it's, it's not It's not Power, but no, it, no, there's it's another a comedy. One. It, it was, I know what you're um, talking about. All right, let me look it up. I know, and, and um, ooh, having an Alzheimer's moment. <laughs> um, this happens to us all the time, and then uh, people get mad at us for not knowing things. Oh, The Shy. No, not, no, the, not shy. the Shy. No, not The Shy? No, no, no. It was a movie. And Lena Waithe... Uh, oh, uh, Dear White People? Thank you. Dear yeah, White People. I knew it was a sentence. See, um, she's doing so much. That's Yeah. She did Stepsister. <laughs> right, she was a yeah. producer on that the, that we did, so I got the chance to work with her. She's, 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 she's awesome. Um, but yeah, so there, there, is, um, there are more platforms for it to happen. And yeah, I think what you're saying, there's 
there's more of an open ear mm-hmm. and uh, to, to, to receiving it, uh, and especially something like Atlanta, you know, and even after, like, yeah, again, like, um, what's the uh, rapper's name? He did, um, he got a Pulitzer, Pulitzer Prize. Uh, Kendrick. Oh, Kendrick. Huh? Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, Kendrick Lamar. I mean, when I look at his music videos and, and oh, he, yeah. he, he'll take, you know, he's taking the, the hip hop, the genre and, and, you know, again, making it his own mm-hmm. and really coming with a real sort of vim and vigor and how he's, he's presenting it, like his shows and with the, 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 the instrumentation and mm-hmm. the, the compositions and stuff. It's, it's just, again, I say emboldened and empowered folks are just doing it and, yeah. and, and, um, childish Gambino, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, Donald Glover, like what he's what he's putting out and is receiving praise for it, uh, is pretty exceptional. So it's it's definitely happening. Um, I think to maybe uh, kind of highlight the question you asked me is, you know, it's not the norm. Yeah, it's not the norm. that's all. Like, right. I mean, that's right. again, that gets back to like, you know, I'm, I, I am a man, I am normal, or I am banal. It's not. There's not a, something about ordinary means that it to me also connotes. It connotes main mainstream. Like it connotes the masses. It con, yeah. it connotes like population, the population of 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 an area or rather of, of the country. So it's not ordinary yet. You know, and it's tricky yeah. because we, as people of color, as black folks, we, if I dare say, speak for other people, is that we still want to be looked at as exceptional, mm-hmm. but not segregated, not not annexed as this other than. Right. You know, we we can be other. The otherness is not yet a part of the ordinary tapestry it's still like you get this gorgeous quilt and then you got this really interesting exotic like pillow cover we're still like a fucking pillow cover right, right. as opposed to no we're part of the fucking quilt it's mm. you know what i mean and, and it's that's getting there yeah you know what i mean but that's i think that is that's that's still the struggle we don't we have oh and here's the i used to make this joke all the time um well, it's not really a joke but there can only be one. There can only be one. Yeah. The Highlands. We say that. We, we say Universally, that Universally, it's like, <laughs> there can only be one. Right. You know, whether like right now it's, uh, okay, director-wise, it's, it's it's um, what's his name? He did? Um, Coogler, right? Coogler, right? Yeah. Coogler is the one mm-hmm. for directing. And then like, star-wise, I guess, who would it be? It's... Um, is it? Um, I mean, it, I mean, in the in the action department, it's definitely The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. I feel like. Oh, he's that's been, okay. Now that's he, interesting. He's, he's doing. I wouldn't a, consider him black. Right, I do. Right, right, right. I do. As for a brother, sure. I do. But right. I'm just saying, he's transcend. You know I mean? He has transcended blackness yes, in the way that like <laughs> Will Smith. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Word. Like we talk about that all the time. Like he's, he's taking the Will Smith mantle of like. You know, he literally has films in which his daughter and his wife are white. Like. Oh, like, oh, he, oh. <laughs> like a, with no a, explanation, a, a, like a plethora, <laughs> a plethora of exactly <laughs> like, of that. like in San Andreas, like his uh, and like some some fans have gotten on this. They're like, it's possible, and we're like, sure, we know no, it's it possible. It, it, it's just like, but it is kind of funny to see, like, you know, you you have this man who like his blackness is almost never talked about in any of his movies ever, which is 
which is kind of almost the idea that we're talking about. It is. Um, yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. With maybe the one exception of being like, we don't necessarily want the black culture erased. Uh, yeah. You know, you, you would want that in there with the idea that it doesn't yeah, have right. to be about his it blackness. Ha- yeah. But it's yeah. still, it's still like a part of him because that's who he is. I mean, of course, he's mixed, so he's. All, yeah. I think he's also. I want to say Samoan, not. He's Samoan and yeah. something else. Um, uh, but um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, you have. Uh, what's his name? You have forty-two Black Panther. Oh, um, of course, Chadwick. Boseman. He's like he's he, our he's, our scholarly. Yeah. You know, black. Right. Outdoor. He's doing all of the the major kind of. I mean, obviously, Black Panther is huge, yes. but he, he, yeah, he was Jackie Robinson. Right. No, he's he was Thurgood all, Marshall. Yeah. <laughs> he so was, he's uh, our, our Denzel. Yeah. Right. And then, and then Michael have, B. Jordan. They is have Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Sort of the the sex pot right. action dude. And then Kevin Hart's the comedian. And the, Kevin Hart's the comedian. Yeah. Right. So yeah. there can only be one. <laughs> they you know, in each, in each in each genre, <laughs> uh, for sure. Which is another thing. So that that to me is is the struggle or the challenge is to is to be able to take that one and then cut it up right. into hundreds of thousands of miniature ones that right. just you know that dissolve into the tapestry right. as much as we don't want to also become invisible I think we do I know I do yeah. it's it, and be celebrated for that yeah. like how many Todd Solins directors in 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 um, the African American film community are there and I know they're there right. you know or you know those kinds of directors who, or storytellers who, like Todd, delves into the underbelly of being human. Yeah. You know, yeah. in a really intense kind of way, which, to me, is like to see that. That's like when people say black folks don't go to therapy. Right. That would be like a black person deep in therapy. Right. Yeah, you know I'm saying yeah. like talking about because there's I've always wanted to do a movie about a serial killer who's African American, but. His right. the way he kills people involves um, race in a really sort of subversive, hum- twisted, humiliating way. You know what? Kara Walker, mm. her art. Mm. It's Kara, right? Kara, I think it's her name. She went to RISD uh, also. But like when she started doing her, when her artwork started to come out, she would do the silhouettes, the 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 you know uh, of of figures uh, in slave times, right. and just the imagery was. Super provocative, yeah. and it just the black literati or just the the old guard mm-hmm. of 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 Negro artists were up, not, not I'm not speaking for all of them, but were up in arms mm-hmm. because she was getting like the the MacArthur Genius Grant. Right. I think she got that, and oh, she was wow. getting all this praise from the quote unquote white power structure mm-hmm. in the art world, and it fucking pissed people off, like wow. the older black folks and. Uh, great person to interview is Thelma Golden, who's a uh, curator and runs the Studio Museum in Harlem. She has a she can tell you all about that. But again, it's that's sort of like the Todd Solins of storytelling, you know, within the black community or 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 therapy that, you know, we don't want to talk about. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's uh seeing more of that um I think is important. Um and and Charles Burnett, you know, bless his heart, man, he he was doing that. Yeah. And you know he he didn't get the props, you know. Yeah. Um, what was uh, to sleep with anger? I, I like when I, when you had uh, mm-hmm. asked me to think of uh, you know like a film that was one of the things I I, I thought about oh, okay, as well. Yeah. Like this um, talk about banal, hmm. but yet totally like culturally fertile. Like right. it's and 
and even in terms of blacks, you know, if there's a term black spirituality, like the the Danny Glover character um, had a sort of a, a spirit trickster guy right. kind of thing. You could almost dip into the Yoruba thing, but it's like, so to me, it had like flavors of blackness for sure, but it was like house in the suburbs. Right. You know, with the kid who's playing trumpet badly. Like, I remember that, like, in the opening scene, I think the little kid is playing, like, trumpet, and this really sounds horrible because he's just, you know, he's, he's practicing. Just that gesture alone, I was like, oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, yeah. It's not that shit that, you know, we got to open up with, right, you know? Right. So, yeah. Um, so, okay, we have to, I mean... I want to talk about Paid in Full, too, but I, we can't talk about every single one. We're good on time. Yeah, I know. Okay. So, oh, wow. we, okay. yeah, I know. This is, uh, this is uh, squeezed by. So, uh, because I do want to get to Uncle Drew, here, I will say this. Because you, you know, with Drumline, Paid in Full, in even Mr. 3000, you've, you haven't, like, stuck in one genre. You've, you've, you've kind of been eclectic yeah. in, that, in that sense. Yeah. Uh, and I guess I was interested to know is that was that like something that you set out to like I just want to make sure that I'm not beholden to one type of thing uh or or you know like how much how much control do you feel like you've had over the types of movies you you get to direct and and do you like being able to direct these these different kinds it's a really tricky question right. or it's a complicated question but um you said uh, use the word control at one point, you know, I, I chose to, I, yes, I chose the movies that I, you know, that I end up doing, but it's also me being sensitive to the commercial realm of what I'm doing, meaning right. that I'm working with somebody else's money. Right. So, and I had agents and when I did paid in full, I was really taken by the story when, when, um, when it was expressed to me um, from Damon Dash, but, and I also, my thought was, if I can do that film in a way that, one, addresses sort of the banality a little mm -hmm. bit in terms of how I shot it cinematography-wise, right. but then also the surreal or hyper-real element to that world, meaning like seeing through the eyes of Ace when he stares outside of the cleaners, and yeah. he sees money raining down yeah. and stuff. I, I actually wanted a lot more of that, of seeing mm. his inner mind of what he was thinking, and I wanted that to be more surreal, which connects to my love of fantasy right. and, and science fiction yeah, and stuff. So so I thought, okay, if I can do that in this movie, I'll do it. Because otherwise, because this is right right on the tail of Menace to Society. Right, it was that kind of... New hood, Jack City. The yeah. gangster film, yes. hood film, yes. like phenomena yes, that happened. Which, you know, I grew up in a very mm -hmm. <laughs> diverse, well, probably eclectic household with art on the walls and yeah. different kinds of music. So I was always very much exposed to a variety. Um, so I knew my reaction to Paid in Full was first cautionary of like, right, I'm not just trying to do another right. one of those films. Yeah. All right, so that was the agenda there. Drumline, when it was first presented to me as a script, it was about a black kid going to a sort of predominantly white school and he's got rhythm and he funks right. up the school and gets <laughs> the rhythmless white folks right. to like, you know, get on beat. Uh, I passed. Right. It came back, I don't know, six months later, he was going to historically black college, mm. which for me wasn't the thought. I didn't have the, th the thought like, okay, 
it's an all black thing. Now I can do it. No, it was like, okay, in that world, I can explore other realms of percussion. Right. Because stepping in the, the, black, in the fraternity and sorority world is really another form of rhythm. Because I'm a drummer, that's right. another thing. So I'm a drummer. That's another reason why I was always in love with the idea of doing drumline, regardless of the setting. But once it, he was going to an all uh, going to a historically black college, I knew the stigma of being a, a black, uh, being a magical Negro would cancel out. Right. So exactly. there was that I, I took, into, took into consideration, and then again the opportunity to explore rhythm in other realms other than just the marching band thing. Okay. So Mr. Three Thousand came along because my agent was like. The one thing you have to keep in mind is that you want to have another film locked in before your other film comes out. Mm -hmm. Because God forbid the film tanks, then your ass goes into director's jail, and then it's a struggle to try to get another movie. Mm -hmm. So that's that was the, also the agenda. So when Mr. 3000 came, again, part of my agenda in the commercial world, in the business, was to like keep working. Right. But also find something that t totally works. And Mr. 3000, is, here's this, this man who calls himself by a number. Right. So I got really excited by that yeah. idea. And this is during the period of uh, T.O., Terrell Owens, oh, and, okay, yes. and the soloist right. aspect of, of, of sports. Right. And the highlight reels on ESPN, they were totally like promoting this self-image as opposed to the team thing. In, in, inadvertently, I don't think that yeah. was their idea. But anyway, so... I, that I thought, okay, here's this black man who calls himself by a number, by 3,000. There's something there. And, and, and uh, Bertie Mac was already attached to it, and he's quite larger than life. So Absolutely. that was a perfect thing. But those are the reasons why I was reacting to things that were presented to me and also my agenda of keeping alive in the business as well as all the cultural and racial things I need to, how I've been raised to avoid, right. to try to dilute, to try to like flatten out things to, mm -hmm. you know, all that. Right. So it's a, it's a combination of things. Whereas now I'm at this place, I'm still working and uh, uh, Uncle Drew is another story about that, of the choices I made to do that mm -hmm. film, but I'm starting to develop my own stories that, um, that are coming from me and to put out. Yeah. And in fact, the, the one thing that I've done in that manner is true the short film that eventually became the What's Up campaign right. for Budweiser. So true is from me. That's my truth. That's oh, not wow. something that I reacted to. I wrote a story about these guys basically holding hands through the phone. You know what I'm saying? And, and, it, and, it, and it resonated with wow. folks. So, yeah. And talk about banality. Yeah, holy Talk crap. about like that's... I did not know that. That's that was based on my mother yelling at me for talking on the phone and watching television at the same time. She would always say... You know, do one or the other, but you don't do both, you know. Um, so, and I was always like... But it's like, fun to do both. It is, right? And, and, and I thought about, like, what what is it really? Because the thing that's so funny about that is, like, you're not really talking to them on the phone. It's right. not like, you know, like, how was your day? Yeah. Well, let me tell you about right. my day. No, it's like, yo, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Cool. Yo, you still there? <laughs> yeah, man, I'm here. Right, all right, bet. You know what I'm saying? It's just that's that, so and crazy. that's that's yeah. that's that's that banality. <laughs> that's that that brilliant ordinariness or whatever that I know I like to celebrate, uh, and I try to do that in, in each film. Real quick, uh, what's his name? Um, he used to review for the um, the Times. The brother, um, he's got to show the treatment. I was on it on on NPR on KCRW. Elvis Mitchell. Oh, okay, Elvis go. Mitchell. I I was on the treatment for Mister Three Thousand. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, 
one of the first things he said when we started, he goes, how did you make a movie about, no, how did they, the studio, let you make a movie about a middle-aged black man? And I had not even thought about it that way, but I was like, you know, you're right. I don't know. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But that's... Bernie Mac was like... I feel like he was huge at, at right. His show was already yeah, out. The show and, was out. And, it was and the Bernie Mac Kings show. Kings of Comedy had come yeah, out. Yeah, no, and, he was. He and was. People at were the top. loving Bernie, <laughs> and they were loving. This him. was yeah. a major time for Bernie Mac, for sure. Major, but the thing was, is that in the film didn't do well. I mean, critics actually liked it, but didn't do well. It was the opposite of that right. because I even told him in my pitch, I said, if you want to do the Bernie Mac show with a baseball bat, I totally get it. Right. Because I, I, he's a brand. Right. I said, that's not what I want to make. I don't, I don't want to do Major League. I want to do Bull Durham. Like, mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I right. want something that, you know, it's a little more nuanced in that manner. And both are, both are legitimate. Right. It's not like putting down one or the other. And that's what ended up happening yeah. for all intents and purposes. And it's not what the, the, the viewers were expecting. Right. Because I remember they said, the studio said, we're going to market it as the Bernie Mac show. Just to get people into the seats, right. but this is right at the beginning of just before tweeting became mm-hmm. a thing. So it's like, as soon as people saw it, they're like, "Yo, that shit was kind of whack." Like he wasn't it's, like balls out funny. Yeah. You know what I mean, and that's it's always a tricky thing when the marketing they try to do something that they think will get more people in, but if you're tricking people, like if they think one film is coming and another film happens, no, they get pissed. It's like yo, they I get spent mad. twelve <laughs> hours. Yo, they tell like, people not to see it. Like, straight up, like, yeah. <laughs> and, and they do that. And I, I'm gonna just jump this just before yeah, so, I get yanked. Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. like Uncle Drew, so, yeah, Uncle Drew. That the Dax character really was fascinating to me because he is the antithesis to the stereotype. Right. To a black male character, <clears throat> he is not masculine, like in the typical sense. Right. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't look like he's going to whoop somebody's ass. He no. gets picked on by everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, he's short dude, mm-hmm. you know. He he and he comes across this way. He's not this he, way in person, yeah. rel, but he's like a little tubby dude, you know right, what I'm saying? Right. But and he's funny and all that, but he's also hurt. He's also vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It's a guy who wants a family. He's searching right. for a family. So I love it for that. That it, and it's so weird because again, you you've got this weird combination of NBA players in old people drag, Dude, like meaning basketball. yeah, playing basketball and <laughs> acting, and then all these comedians. So it's got various components that would send up red flags of like, oh, it's a black movie because you got you know JB Smoove and Mike Epps in it and Tiffany Haddish, right. but it doesn't. It doesn't. I don't. It doesn't do that mm-hmm. again. It, it there's something that is universal. That was the agenda from the beginning mm-hmm. uh, about it. Uh, even though is niggas in basketball, mm-hmm. like you could say that. You know what I'm saying? It's got yeah. audience. It's got Tiffany Haddish. Hey, like it's yeah. got all these things that you would you could easily say. Oh, it's it's a black barbecue movie. Right. But it's not. Mm-hmm. And same thing with Lil Rel. He's a G. He's a great stand up. Like his stand up stuff is no joke. Uh, especially yeah. his character playing. But he's like this little guy who mm-hmm. gets picked on by everybody, including the old folks. Right. You know. Right. So uh, that that's that's kind of a win win for yeah. me. <laughs> and, and and so I mean I imagine it was fun on set because you yeah. basically you know I mean Rel, 
like we uh, we know Rel a little bit, and I mean, he's so funny. And then obviously Tiffany, and they both have like this chemistry, and yes, uh, they know each other, and they have too. the ability to right because they work together mm-hmm. on the Carmichael show, mm-hmm. and they have the ability to kind of riff a lot. And then you yes. also have Nick Kroll, who oh, who came comes from the same like UCB background that we do, and you know he has the ability yep. to riff and yes. and do all that. And I imagine that some of the basketball players had like the the freedom to do that on, on set. So how yeah how was how was that because we. It, it's, I don't know, I don't know if this is really true, but I feel this way. Like you have that kind of like the the Judd Apatow sense of movies where people are doing the improv and, and having fun and, and you have all these different takes and stuff. But in terms of when it comes to comedies led by uh, black comedians, like mm-hmm. it, it feels like, even though you have like the Chris Tuckers who are like shooting out a bunch of lines, sure. the, the, those scenes in which both actors get to have that kind of movement and freedom, I've, I personally feel like I, I don't see that as much. So it was, mm. a, it was a fun, for me, mm. that was like one of the fun things mm. about Uncle Drew that I'm like, oh man, like they're just having, they're having fun on set with some of yes. these set pieces. Like yes. you have these, like the script kind of sets it up in, in a way, like, like the black church, or like, yes. you know, yes. with Weber. Or and, the van. The or van the van. Is, that's the quintessential I mean, the, oh, scene. Oh, yes, the van. They're arguing over is Biggie, Biggie Smalls better than uh, Isley Brothers and right. vice versa. We actually shot that scene. It was our only day of shooting 24 hours, and it was the last thing we did. It was 7 in the morning, and I remember wow. going to the stage, and I'm thinking like, oh, this is going to be a total mess because they're going to be totally grumpy and... You know, and like Kyrie's been in in this makeup, yeah. this three and a half hour process oh my getting God. the makeup on. So, <laughs> yo, they came in and killed it. And you know, there's two versions of that scene. There's a version, a Wu Tang version. Oh, hilarious. where he's playing us. Uh, Uncle Drew's playing a, sh- a song by the Charmels, which has a great sample from Cream. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he does and 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 Rel riffs on that. It's very funny. But they were amazing, and that that's a perfect example right. of that. And I just to nerd out, another example of that. Was in Forty Year Old Virgin, Romney Malco versus exactly. Kevin Hart. Oh my God, that I, is that like is one of scene. the most like the most hilarious <laughs> so scenes of good. all time. We talked. He he was on the podcast. Uh, Who Kevin or uh, Romney? Romney. Oh, uh, uh, so good. And we. Oh my God, like. When they when they butt head, I mean, it's so funny. The black on black, just the culture, the black on right. black shit is exactly. like really heavy. Yeah, and they did it so well. Oh, it's so good. It gives me goosebumps. It's such a, but that's exactly <laughs> that. Like where it has that Judd Apatowian sort right. of like improvisational just build, right. or even beyond Judd, it's just like in theater in general. Yeah. You know, like like in a rehearsal where you're just. You're just building on it and and, right. and, and, and and capturing that. So yeah, that there was a little bit of that in uh in making uh the movie. So yeah. James, any final uh thoughts or Yeah. Um I just have one question. Okay. Um what's that? And you and Charles, you talked about how uh, you know, Black Panther and uh, and Black Lightning and those those movies uh, or those those not those the movies names uh, yeah, the mm-hmm. titles the TV show, but those but those comic books like they were very black right they came out they had to be very black yes. the movie Black Panther right is Pan African um, yes and like Meteor Man he's like in the hood right and he's like you know and he's trying to uh, save the neighborhood it's so funny I'm moving my Hancock body, not, Hancock like, I'm the signal that's fucking right. it up what <laughs> what did you wait, say what did you say Hancock is a uh, is a oh, superhero yeah. that I bring Hancock. up a lot on the show, and they don't talk about his blackness in that. Okay, movie. so James, I'll, let me tell you what's happening right now. Yeah, you're breaking. The up. phone yeah. is breaking up, and it's breaking up because you're talking about Hancock. 
<laughs> wow. Okay. Like maybe that's it. Maybe you're the, right. Maybe we don't ask the question. Literally, maybe we don't even ask it. <laughs> literally, our receptionist is is shutting you down. I don't know if you know this. James <laughs> talks about Hancock every single episode. He wants to. What's the question that's you want to ask? Yeah. Me? See if you can get it out. See if you can get it. Can answer quickly. Well, the question is: um, the question is, if you were directing a black superhero movie, a superhero, a movie with a black superhero, yeah, right, right. Which direction would you go? Would you would you lean into the African, the black, the, or would you try to dance between both worlds, uh, or not mention it at all? Well, I, I could say, uh, have you all answer it based on what, everything that I've just expressed to you all about my work and sort of how I, I, I see things, it's, I'd be curious to see what, what your reaction I, is. I personally think you should direct Hancock too. They need to make a sequel to Hancock. <laughs> Thank you. Thank for you, James Bray. <laughs> for James III. Yes. And, it, and, and really lean into the fact that he's just this ordinary dude <laughs> Who has superpowers, but he, you know, he has like this alcohol problem. He has to get over his alcoholism. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he has an anger management problem. It's just like real banal stuff, and then he can take a train and, and throw it like halfway across the world. I, I think that it would be for me. I know it will be the the character will. It's like Devin in Drumline. It's like um, I forgot the character's name. How dare I? In Mister Three Thousand. You know, or Dax in um, in Uncle Drew, is that he or she, the character, will pursue his or her dreams and the struggles that come from yeah. it. Like the, it's like it. the the great hero's tale, and 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 that's what it will be. And his or her blackness will be part of one's wardrobe, figuratively speaking. And it will, it will sing at times where people will notice it, and other times it will be invisible. Yeah. Like it'll be just like how it is. Because again, drumline is is in many ways you could say is an anomaly of sorts because it really is a black cultural event. But it's not at the same time. Like it's it is this universal yeah. classic story of a selfish kid who learns to become a team player. Mm -hmm. It's just plain and simple. You know, with family problems and stuff like that. And yeah, it has the, you know, the the parents are separated, so we can go into that stereotype. I mean, there are little, you know, issues, but the the tr the the momentum of the story transcends all that critical cultural uh stuff that we we're talking about and you all really kind of you know, deconstruct and get into on your your show. So, yeah, that 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 hero will will do the exact same thing. Um, I think. Yeah. Thank so. you so much. Oh, for dude, this coming is dope. And Please, and and, and I would love to so come much. back. You want to build on some stuff, dude? <laughs> yeah. That's uh, I I, I love yeah. That. We should this come come honor. back for you know just we 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 talk about a movie. We just take, yeah. talk about a movie. Uh, uh, but for for the audience uh, at home, by, by the time this comes out, Uncle Drew will be in theaters right now. Yes. So go check it out. Uh, yeah, go go go. It's it's a real good time. Just a fun comedy with your fa some of your favorite <laughs> basketball players literally acting a fool. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, so yeah, uh, thank you again. All right, thank you. Peace. Right. Awesome. Peace. That was a HeadGum Podcast.